Another week of NFL is in the books, and us here at NFL Down Under are here to dissect it all. We found out about some teams. There's still plenty of questions left in the air, but most importantly, all three of us are here tonight, today, to have a chat, and we start with Smithy himself. How are you, mate? Oh, yeah, not too bad, my friend. I've only just got my voice back from being crook for the last uh, few days, so if I do have any um, audio inconsistencies, I do apologise. Um, the vocal cords still aren't 100%, but I'll battle through. Oh, I feel like your uh, in-depth game reviews might have a, a touch of quick fireness about them at times, <laughs> mate, but uh, we'll battle through beautifully, and we're joined, as per usual, by the much more cultured than us in terms of America in TD. How are you, mate? Yeah, I am good. I, coming off what was probably my favourite week of football games for the season. Don't know how you two feel, but um, yeah, it was probably the only week I've been able to sit and watch in full. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really good after that um, weekend that we had. I think, Smithy, and I would love your appraisal of this, is I think our man's gone. It's his favourite because he's done so well. So 12 out of 16 with the tips for our man. It would be my favourite too if I ripped the piss out of some predictions. Yeah, if he was an ice cream, he'd lick himself to death at the moment, I think, Teed. But um, no, nah, in tried. fairness to him, in, in fairness <laughs> to him, he did absolutely dominate the tipping. I haven't checked out his TDs, TDs, so um, I'm genuinely curious to see how he went there. I might brush yeah, past that, that, just being honest. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a great call, that. But uh, Teed is four ahead of you. Smid, you went 10 this week with a a heartbreaker that we'll talk about a bit later and you're four ahead of me with 11 this week, but 104 and, and going beautifully, but we've had some controversy with your segments mid because uh, someone didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Oh, he's running away from the grind. He's in front. Um, he knows that I'm coming like a wet sail and he thought he could get away with not submitting his, um, not submitting his picks this week. So no collar blazing five available, uh, not that we've seen in Australia at least, over any of these social media uh, pages. So if there's any American listeners out there who somehow got their hands on his blazing five, send it through to us. But, yeah, we're, we're going to give him a zero because he, he's scared. He's, he's running away from the grind. He knows that I'm coming. The uh, the winning percentage was able to get a huge lift, but I've also got some uh, fantastic news for you, mate, because this is actually the last year that you'll be taking on Colin, which is interesting. Is he canning his Blazing Five next year? No, you've also got another competitor from a man you hate. Uh, Nick Wright has brought out his oh. mixed picks segment this year. Now, he's only got three <laughs> per weekend, but... This is a race in terms of winning percentage. So next year, because he does three picks and Colin does five, we might have to give you four and just have a battle of percentages. Jesus. Oh, that could be on the cart. This could be some off-season workshopping here because I, <laughs> I would love to take down Nick Wrong as well. And the uh, and the stat for you, mate, I have no idea what the overall numbers are. I might check it out during the week. But all I can tell you is that after week five, he was three and 12. Oh, okay. So it's pretty much not a competition. It's just beating up on someone completely <laughs> inferior. <laughs> it's it's like you playing rookie on Madden, mate. <laughs> Four and one this week. Yeah, had a had a really good week actually. Um, started on cloud nine with the Thanksgiving games. Um, the the Lions covered the line for me. Um, that game went pretty much exactly to plan, and then the Minnesota Vikings got over the line as well, which was handy. And then 
coming into Sunday, I had the Chiefs to cover and they had one of the greatest backdoor covers you're ever likely to see, um, kicking the field goal to go up 16 with a minute to go and they were at <laughs> minus 15 and a half, so shout out to them. And the Cardinals, which on one hand was heartbreaking and on the other hand was um, really handy because they covered the line, but they just lost the game and missed me the tip that would have got one back on Teed. So disappointing there. And then the Seahawks lost in overtime. A uh, little bit stiff, but four and one, I'll take that every day of the week. And uh, Teed, just to follow up, I don't know whether you've got the results, but I do for your TDs, TDs. Uh, you went one for five with TJ Hawkinson, <laughs> the only man to get over the line. Yeah, I um, I was actually feeling really good about this week, and that really is a worry when it comes to me. But, um, <laughs> you know, Hawkinson got that touchdown. I thought I'm on here and um, just went down from there. Yeah, his Friday was looking good, our man, but, geez, his Monday, he was, he was stiff on yeah. the uh, on the Thanksgiving feast, and we'll actually go in-depth into all those uh, games. But uh, two for two, we've gone in terms of the locks and uh, I need to talk about one of our selections, but Smid completely forgetting mid-show, he locked the Jets, but they were that good, and Mike White decided to turn himself into a Brady-Manning combination for three hours to do a job on Chicago. Uh, Teed went the charges, and oh, wasn't that a, uh, a race to the finish line, which got the job done, but I've done potentially the greatest flip in lock history. I originally locked the Ravens, Smid, and if you had have kept your mouth shut about Lamar potentially being unfit, then I would have kept it and it would have been the greatest lock choke uh, choke in history. And uh, I would be in a fairly different mood right now, but I went the commanders, got the job done. I'm 10 and two, you're eight and four, and Teed is still rocketing along to 500 at five and seven. (laughs) He's going to get there, man. I can feel it. But yeah, (laughs) the funniest thing is that Lamar played and looked pretty good. So. Um. Yeah, it, it's quite funny that you did backflip and, and it worked in your favour. So, I mean, you got to respect it. Indeed. And we get into the Ruffies, last but not least. Now, only four out of the 16 uh, Ruffies getting up. Only a loss of two units in total because the Jags going into that game against the Ravens were gettable at six bucks Australian. So what a return that would have been for. Some punters, but overall still 14, just under 14 and a half units on the year. So if you're back in your roughies blindly, uh, you're probably doing better than a lot of the tipsters out there, especially on the likes of TikTok. But let's get into the game reviews. And uh, Teed, we start with you with that aforementioned Jags and Ravens game. Yeah, um, this was a great game. And it was, you know, the Ravens, you know, choking away another win. All four of their losses this year, they've had, um, well, a lead in the second half, and most of them a handy lead. This one, they had a nine-point lead coming into the fourth quarter. Um, and Jacksonville, they, they just never said die in this game, and that they actually got the lead back. Um, I think they were up by one, about five minutes left. The, the Ravens had a nice two- or three-minute drive, scoring a touchdown and, and adding the two-point conversion to go up seven. Um, and then I, I think on first or second down, uh, Trevor Lawrence got sacked and fumbled the ball, and the Jaguars actually recovered that one. Um, but it, but it was for a loss, and I think at that point on the stupid um, ESPN predictor thing, the win probability was was over ninety nine percent for the for the Ravens. And um, I think a, a big topic of their season is just choking away wins. All four of their wins 
Um, you know, they, they oh, sorry, all four of their losses, they, they arguably should have won. And we all remember that game against Miami where, you know, teams don't blow leads like that at all. Um, but they did. And it, it just was magnificent from, from Jacksonville. Um, Trevor Lawrence has, has been, you know, he started the season really good. And, and I thought maybe, um, you know, this was the breakout year and I guess it is only year two, but he has been a bit of a lull. Hasn't been playing badly, but, um, you know, just the way he started the season had high hopes for him. But this game um, truly was probably his best game as a pro, I think. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it really is good signs for the future. I know a, a bit of doubts crept in over people's thoughts on Trevor Lawrence and, you know, he is a little inconsistent, plays like this and then, um, you know, next week he might might play, you know, a, a little like he did in the rookie year. And it's just consistency is a bit of an issue for him. But that's a good building block coming into next year. Uh, yeah, I think the, the funniest thing about this game is the, the Ravens got the ball back with 15 seconds left and it took them one play. Um, you know, they bring up the, the field goal target line on the screen and it's just about at halfway, which is just incredible with a kicker like Justin Tucker. And he did get a shot to, to break history with a 67-yard field goal. And it, a kick that probably should be and probably is impossible um, in an outdoor stadium, not with a huge uh, a breeze behind you. It, it really, I don't think anyone was watching that actually thought he was going to miss. Just the way he kicks... I think they said he'd made 45 straight field goals or something like that. He just is the greatest kicker of all time. We all know that. But even me, I didn't think he was going to miss that, although it nearly was impossible. And, you know, it looked like it was going through. Um, it fell short, you know, by a few yards in the end. So it really was a good attempt. But um, Jacksonville, a big upset, like you said, does around six bucks down here, um, odds-wise. And, I did say, you know, towards the end of the year, they'd be playing spoiler or, or like to play that spoiler role. And I, I did say they'll win a couple of games. We don't expect them to. I didn't expect it to be this one. Um, and, and with the Titans losing, which we'll touch on later on, you know, they're not that far out of the division race. I know there is only six games left. They probably would have to run the table. Um, and, and that probably is out of the question. But, um, you know, I guess second place is up for grabs, certainly. Um, but if the Titans fall off a cliff, you never know. But Jacksonville... Yeah, really good signs. Zay Jones in this game, I'll I'll pump him up because he he had a career day. Um, it was just incredible. He was everywhere. Eleven catches, one hundred and forty five yards, and that last drive, he was just grabbing everything and um, got that two point conversion, which which won them the game. And and I told you boys in the um, in the group chat, I thought it was a great decision from the from Doug Peterson. There's no point playing for overtime there when the, when you're the Jaguars. Um, you know, you're a team that's got four wins or three wins at the time on the season. You've just got to try and get the win if you can. And if you go to overtime, usually the better team wins, and that that probably is the Ravens. So just take your chance there, and they did. Um, I thought it was a great decision and a, a really good outcome and a really good game. Yeah, I like it. Smithy, I just want to ask you quickly about the kick. Once the ball hit its highest point, I genuinely looked at it and went, that's going in. This is how yeah. good this guy is. At 67 yeah. yards, there was I agree with Tate. As soon as the ball hit its highest point, we all went, he's kicked that. Mm. Yep. I thought it was good off the <laughs> foot. Like as soon as it could he really wound into it as well, as you'd have to with the 67 yard spot. He could see the the genuine power he put through the kick and 
yeah, as soon as it left his boot, I looked at the trajectory of the kick and I thought, that's good. Uh, that, that That's going to go in. Um, and it just fell short. Yeah, what an awesome game from Trevor Lawrence. But I know I came up with the stat that the Ravens had been in front by double digits in the fourth quarter of every game this season. They didn't get in front by double digits, but they were up by scores in the fourth quarter. So you can just change, manipulate the stat to make it that they've been in front by two scores in the fourth quarter of every game this season, and they're seven and four, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, good win for the Jags. Unreal win for the Jags. And I don't know how many more times we're going to say a coming-of-age game for Trevor Lawrence, but it just had that feel about it. But, Smith, let's go to your first game. The Raiders and the Seahawks. The uh, defences didn't do a whole lot if you just looked at the box score, but Derek Carr does it again in overtime. Yeah, Derek Carr gets it done again. And, well, I think we have to heap a lot of the praise onto Josh Jacobs, who had a career day, undoubtedly, with 229 rushing yards and two touchdowns including an 86-yard run in overtime to win the game. Unbelievable. Um, Derek Carr threw an interception on the first snap of the game, and I thought, oh, dear, here we go again, Raiders fans. And it only took 50 seconds for the Seahawks to punch in a touchdown, and uh, the 12th man was absolutely heaving, and you just thought, oh, this is going to be a long day for the silver and black. But credit to them, they fought back, and it really is Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and that's it. With um with no Hunter Renfro, no Darren Waller, there, there's not really a consistent target for Derek Carr. I mean, Mac Hollins had a big touchdown on a broken defensive coverage. Um, Amir Abdul- Abdullah caught a touchdown, but Devontae Adams seven catches for 74 yards, and the catch he made on the final drive was just unbelievable on the sideline. He is a beast, but. Yeah, it was a really good game, and the Raiders finally playing some good football. Geno Smith, it was the first time this year that we saw him make a few mistakes. Uh, he threw a pretty bad interception, um, which isn't like him, and it's the second week in a row where Kenneth Walker hasn't been able to get the run game going. He had just 14 carries for six, 26 yards. Uh, he did score two touchdowns, but 1.9 yards per carry, which is um, pretty bad for a young running back who really broke out in the middle of the year, but has had two really poor games rushing the ball in terms of efficiency. So uh, it sort of made life hard for Gino. The thing that stood out for me was the Raiders pass rush finally got going. Um, you know, they, they only registered the one sack. Oh, sorry. They only registered two sacks, three yeah, sorry, I was looking at the interceptions at first, but they registered three sacks on the game uh, and they finally got pressure onto Geno Smith, which was a really important thing that they hadn't done all season as a defense. Um, it was on the back of Max Crosby who made some unbelievable plays, but I thought Bilal Nichols was really good on the inside of the defensive line, um, putting real pressure on the quarterback. And yeah, it was it was a good game for the Raiders. The Seahawks... I can just see the Seahawks slipping out of the playoff race. Um, they've just got something about them that they're just going to fall off the face of the earth in the last four or five weeks and and surrender a playoff spot to a team like, um, you know, a team like maybe Detroit go on a run or the NFC East get all four teams in. But, yeah, I've, I've just got a bit of a bad feeling about the Seahawks, but 
a, a really good win to the Raiders and a really quality game to watch. Yeah, I think it was a quality game to watch as well. And Teed, your Island team, the soft spot, the second stringers got it done. Well, second string is probably a bit harsh, but the the soft spot got it done, which you would have been happy about. Yeah, it is. Um, it is frustrating when they can come out here and, and score forty points. Um, in a game like that, after I say that I've lost all faith and hope in them, um, and it is really, you know, this team has a lot of potential, and potential is probably the most overused word in, in sport. But um, you know, this team, I think, is so much better than their record shows, um, and games like this prove it. And Josh Jacobs just had an all-time game, like Smithy said. And um, you know, I thought a funny thing out of this game was if you boys haven't seen it. You should have a look after this, and anyone who hasn't seen it, have a look. But on that interception on the first play, Seattle actually had a player run from the bench onto the field to celebrate, yes. <laughs> and then and then realised that the play was still going, and just ran and threw a couple of blocks in there, so they <laughs> have a twelfth man on the field. Um, I thought that was pretty funny, but good win from the Raiders. Yeah, outrageously good. Keep up the momentum, mate. You're in fine form. Is our man, and you've got the Browns and the Bucks in another one of the roughies getting up. Yeah, well, this game was funny because the Browns, you know, that they were up early and, um, you know, they were never too far off when, when the Bucks hit the front. They didn't have a big lead, but it just felt like the Browns weren't doing much at all and it just felt like Tampa Bay were going to not cruise to a victory, but just felt like they were doing enough to win. Um, and then you get that fourth quarter drive from the Browns and Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, he, he struggled throughout this game, but did really well in that last drive and the fourth and 10 touchdown pass is just about as clutch as you can get. Uh, essentially, your last chance, last play of the game, um, it would have been for them if you don't get that. But they did, and it went to overtime. And, um, you know, it shows how much the Browns trust their kicker um, when in overtime you can get down to the two yard line and instead of taking the field goal, you, you punch it in for the touchdown. And, and it would have made some fantasy fans uh, very happy having Nick Chubb run that one in um, after he had a really good day, I think. Not not the typical Nick Chubb game where he's picking up five yards per carry or anything like that, but it was just a tough game. and He earned every yard that, that he got in this game. Um, you know, the Bucks. Tom Brady had 43 pass attempts. Um, you know, they were missing Leonard Fournette. Rashad White, I thought, was really good in this game. Um, you know, he showed some juice on a couple of runs. But apart from that, they, they couldn't get much going on the ground. Um, Chris Godwin had probably his best game of the season um, and the best game he's had for a while, to be honest. And it just it really seems like a, a blown opportunity for Tampa Bay. They could have kind of distanced themselves within the division, I think. Um, you know, I don't know too much about the NFC South, but they're not going to be more than, more than one win or two wins from the team that's coming last, which I think would be Carolina Smithy. Is that right? Uh, I think New Orleans are last now because we have the tie break on them. Okay, there you go. So they would have four wins? Yeah, four and eight. Yeah, okay. So if they had won this game, they, they would have been able to separate themselves and maybe felt good coming into the last bit of their um, season. But, you know, that division still is up for grabs. For the Browns, I think maybe it is too little too late. Um, you know, if they had have won that game last week against Buffalo, there would have been plenty of talk around this Browns team with Deshaun Watson coming in. Um, but I think, um, you know, their fans would be happy with this performance, obviously. And, you know, it is tough on, on Jacoby Brissett after a performance like this. 
um, that now you're going to have to go and sit on the bench while um, Deshaun Watson steps in and takes his job. But that, that's what the Browns have to do. They've paid Deshaun Watson. Um, you know, he is the starting quarterback and he will start from next week onward, I assume. Uh, and that will bring a little bit of intrigue around this Browns team. But apart from that, um, I think... They, they're another team that's going to want to play spoiler. When you look at this um, Browns team with Deshaun Watson, it, it really it does take it to another level, um, but you're just not sure what you're going to get. And he hasn't played football for a very long time. I think it's silly to expect him to step right in and, and save this team. Or if you're a Browns fan hanging on for playoff hope, I think you could probably throw that out the window. Um, but, yeah, I am intrigued to see how this Browns team goes and I'm also intrigued to see how the Buccaneers can bounce back from this because um, this was it was pretty ugly. Now, now let's be honest, T, there is no such thing as a Browns fan having playoff hope and that's just in history uh, let alone <laughs> right now. Uh, Smithy, you've got the competition there in division with the Bucs. Is this kind of an underrated big loss do you think? I think this one's been swept under the carpet a little. I honestly think they're in the situation where they can afford to drop some games because yeah, I cannot see any of the other three teams taking a playoff push. I, I really can't. I know my Panthers won, but uh, we beat Denver. So, I mean, congrats. Um, New Orleans are an absolute train wreck. And as much as the Falcons fun, I, I don't think they're good enough to make a serious run for the, the division title. So, I think when push comes to shove, the Bucks are just going to get it done and, and go to the playoffs, have a home playoff game at eight and nine. Yeah, they probably will. Uh, over to you, Smid. You've got the Eagles and the Packers. Boy, oh boy, those Packers. Yeah, those Packers. We're going to get onto them later, but this was an offensive line masterclass by the Philadelphia Eagles, and and a running game masterclass by Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, who combined for 300 rushing yards between them uh, and two touchdowns for Miles Sanders. So unbelievable. And when you add on the rushing yards from Scott and the game, well, the Eagles had 363 rushing yards for the game, which is absolutely bonkers. Uh, it's unheard of really getting that many rushing yards, but the Packers just could not stop it. It, it was like watching, you know, it was like watching someone get tortured. You just could not, you could, they couldn't stop it. And it was so hard to watch, but you also had to watch because you were just thinking to yourself, the Packers have so much talent on defense. So much draft capital has been invested onto that side of the ball. They have to eventually work it out. But until the very last snap when Philadelphia went on, went for it on fourth down and got it. The, the Packers had no answer. It was unbelievable. So well done to the Eagles. Their offensive line is just unreal. Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mylata, Lane Johnson hasn't allowed a sack in over two calendar years, which for a right tackle in the NFL, that's that should be illegal. Um, uh, Landon Dickerson has been awesome in his second year. It's just an unreal unit. Um, congratulations to them, and yeah, they're they're just steaming forward to a, a one seed in the NFC. In the NFC, but the real conversation out of this game is the Green Bay Packers. It looks like Aaron Rodgers has broken his ribs to go along with his broken right thumb on his throwing hand. And the question that we posed when we watched this game, boys, was: 
when do they make the decision to put Aaron Rodgers on ice for the rest of the season? They're obviously not going to make the playoffs. They're at four and eight. It, it's not going to happen. So when do you just let Jordan Love loose, see what you've got there, see if he's going to be your guy for the future, and then make a decision on Rodgers in the offseason? Because to me at this point, Rodgers playing with multiple broken bones in his body, it it's just pointless because you're putting him out there at a risk when realistically you're not making the playoffs. So I think they have to give Jordan Love a look at it. And he looked really good in the snaps that he played. Um, I said to you guys straight away, he throws a really good looking ball. You know, he's got a lot of zip on his pass, throws tight spirals and, and he's showed that he's come a long way since the start he made last year against Kansas city. Um, And yeah, I think to be honest, they need to, they need to roll with Jordan Love and, and just see what they've got in him because the way he played, he looks like he could be a, a pretty good NFL quality quarterback. So that's just where we're at. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know where Teed's gone, by the way. He's just dropped out yeah. of man. We'll wait for him to jump back in. But um, I like it, Smith. I think the problem with the – actually, I'll give you two problems. Um the first one, I'll, I'll go a selfish and a selfless. The the selfish one is I'm only ever making one NFL preseason prediction a year. Because if I had <laughs> just kept my mouth shut after the Vikings one, I'd be one for one. But I would argue yeah. there are not many out there that have made many worse than me moving on from that. Shout out Matt Ryan if you're listening. Um, yeah. And But the, the selfless one is I, I feel for the Eagles because every game that they win that they're supposed to win, they're just getting no credit like at all yeah. it's it's remarkable they're like the most not disrespected but maybe they're the most under the radar nine and two team and you could argue the vikings are as well or ten and one yeah they're like, ten and one. Ten and one like it's it's ridiculous and yet they're not talked about in terms of best teams in football and how the hell are they not in you know anyone's top two three they, they, they make the argument for one. I'm probably with you. Teed's back with us, which is good, but I'm with you, Smithy. Just roll out Jordan Love. You're paying Rogers the same anyway. So if it's between banged yeah. up and benched, I mean, what's the difference? Uh, yeah. Teed, what are you doing with Aaron Rodgers? What are you doing with the Packers quarterback room? Uh, you have to see what you've got with Jordan Love at this point because, you know, what did they draft him two or three years ago? His rookie, rookie contract's probably just about up. Um, in a couple of years, and, and they still don't know what they what they've got with him. So it's going to get to a point where if you don't play him, you're going to have to either extend him, um, or, or get rid of him. And it just, I, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's a wasted pick either way. But it would certainly be wasted if, if even more, if you don't know what you've got. Um, uh, there is plenty of talk about you know Aaron Rodgers maybe not playing another NFL game. Not sure how I feel about that. At the moment, if he is going to retire, it feels like a, a weird way to go out, um, a way I wouldn't expect. I think we'll see him back somewhere next year. But, um, yeah, I think at this point of the season, four and eight, if he's happy to sit, I think, you know, he has to. And it really it becomes a different question. If he's not willing to sit, um, that's where issues will start. But they really need to get Jordan Love some playing time. And the, the best option is to get him playing the rest of the season. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Bengals, Titans, Teed, that's all yours? Yeah, this um, this was a funny game. I, I thought the Titans were the better team for a lot of it. Um, but the Bengals obviously came out with a win. 
it, it was just Joe Burrow was playing some really good football. I didn't think they missed Joe Mixon too much. Samaji Piran did a right on the ground. And, and I think, to be honest, the Bengals would prefer not you know, feeling the need to run the ball. They are a passing team. We all know it. T. Higgins played really well. Um, you know, Derek Henry was surprisingly held to 38 rushing yards. And, you know, he, he led the Titans in rushing yards, obviously, with 38. But he also led them in receiving. But outside of him, they, they really didn't get much else. Um, and that's obviously why they lost this game. Um, they just could not get anything going. Early on, they were, they were all all over the Bengals. Um, you know, they shut them out in the first quarter. The Bengals couldn't get the ball moving. Um, the Titans just couldn't do anything either. And that was really a missed opportunity for them. Um, they could have had a nice lead going into halftime. I think it was tight at, at halftime. And, and the Bengals pulled away in the fourth quarter with the touchdown um, to T Higgins, I thought it was. But, you know, I think the Bengals, this was a really important win for them. If they had lost this game, they would have dropped to 6-5 and five and had a game with the Chiefs coming up. Um, you know, that's a one-way ticket to, to fall into 6-6 six and six and, and maybe senior season slip away. But sitting at 7-4 right now, 7-4, and four, I, I feel more confident in this team than I did at the start of the year and even in the off-season. I had plenty of teams in the AFC that I thought were a little better than this team. I'm not too sure at the moment, um, and this win certainly helps. I think I touched on in the preview the Bengals had struggled to have a win against a good opponent, and that's what they had here. Tennessee have been a good opponent all year, and in their losses they've been losing close, and that was the case here. Um, you know, I think Tennessee are still going to, cruise towards that division title, um, which is handy for them. They really would have liked to have had this win at home. They had every opportunity to, I thought, but uh, Bengals too good. And, um, you know, Joe Burrow is playing some really good football at the moment. And the Bengals, they do have a tough, tough schedule. I, I did say they've got the Chiefs next, but I'm pretty sure they've got the Bucks and the Bills coming up as well. So they are going to be tested and we're going we're gonna to find out a lot more about them over the next three or four games, which I'm looking forward to. But, um, yeah, the Titans let one slip here and, and a big win for the Bengals. Yeah, I, I love how you finished that, Ted, because I kind of feel the same, Smithy. They, we often say in, in cricket, which I know isn't a, a Venn diagram for a lot of, um, of our American audience, but it feels like they left runs on the table. It feels like they left points on the board. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think they did. And, to be honest, the fact that the Bengals had more rushing yards than the Titans in this game is, I, I still can't make sense of it because this game just shaped up to be the Titans running the ball down the Bengals' throat. and But it, it didn't work out. The Bengals did a really good job in, in run defense and sort of made the Titans play the way they didn't want to. And I think that's where the offensive struggles came from. So... Yeah, I thought both defences really stood up, but it was just Joe Burrow and um, T. Higgins made big plays when it counted. And and T. Higgins has played himself into a giant contract in next in the next season. He, he's going into free agency. Um, and whether the Bengals bring him back or he goes somewhere else, either way, he is going to get a massive contract because he's been outstanding this year. Smith's just frothing his man Justin Fields having T Higgins to throw to, aren't you, Smithy? Let's be honest. Yeah, I did say that about a month ago, didn't I? That the, mm. T, the Bears will absolutely load up on T Higgins. So uh, I would love to see that, to be honest. And let's go to all three Thanksgiving games. Bills Lions, first of all, for you, Smith. And this was a 
Oh, this was a scare for Buffalo. It was a scare for Buffalo, and this game went exactly as I saw it going. The Lions played some really fun, frisky football at home, and they ended up tying the game late in the fourth quarter. Dan Campbell has copped some criticism about his time management, and it's probably warranted. I thought they could have handled the situation a little bit better, but um, at the end of the day, Jared Goff missed the throw on third and short, and the throw was open. DJ Chark was open. All he had to do was put it back shoulder towards the sideline and and DJ Chark probably catched that ball, but he put it more towards the middle of the field and and it played into the uh, the DB's hands a little bit. So it, it's a missed throw by Goff. I think both parties could have handled the situation a little bit better, but uh, at the end of the day, you got to rely on your quarterback to make that sort of throw. But uh, yeah, they the Lions tied the game late and all it took the Bills was you know, 40 seconds to get down that field. Josh Allen made one of the throws of the year to Stefan Diggs across the middle. It was on an absolute rope, this ball. It was unbelievable to see. And, you know, when Josh Allen can sometimes make us scratch our heads with the, the decisions he makes, he he threw another red zone interception in this game. He's now leading the NFL in red zone interceptions. So he can make some mistakes, but natural arm talent he is top three for sure some of the throws he makes are incredible but yeah this game went exactly to script the, the lines were fun um really confused how they're using their running backs at the moment deandre swift logged a week of full practices and still got five carries in this game so uh, they're definitely comfortable with jamal williams handling the majority of the carries which uh, for someone like DeAndre Swift, who started the season so well before that uh, knee injury, I think it was, and uh, ever since ever since that, they've sort of just left him behind. He's sort of sharing backup carries with um, Josh Jackson, which is a bit befuddling to me. But um, they're they're playing well, the Lions, so you can't really question what they're doing. And it's been their defensive lines has really stood up, and we've sort of credited them a little bit, but. Um, you know, they've got young players like James Houston who went to Jackson State and was coached by Deion Sanders. Uh was a sixth, late sixth, early seventh round pick, and he had two sacks and he provided the pass rush that the Lions have been missing. So uh shout out to him. Ali McNeil has had a, a massive few weeks, um, the second year player. Uh he, he's been awesome. And you know, Deshaun Elliott, Malcolm Rodriguez, Aiden Hutchinson had a quite a game stats wise, but um, still made an impact. Yeah, they're playing good football, the Lions. And, you know, I, I think they're a team with Jamison Williams coming back into the mix now. Um, and the Packers are falling apart in the division. The Bears are falling apart in the division. Could they sneak and challenge for that seventh playoff spot? You, you know, we've got the four. We've got the four teams from the NFC East and the division winners at the moment, but if the New York Giants fall off, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe these Detroit Lions can make a run, so I think they're going to be an interesting watch for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Teed, the Bills, are you still as confident, more confident, less confident in their prospects in the AFC this year after this game? Um, yeah, I'm still as confident, I think. I don't like to read too much into these games that are played um, Thursday nights over there, Fridays here, just because, you know, that you play two games in five days is hard enough. But winning both of them, um, you know, is impressive. And it might just be the Lions 
who are playing some good football, like Smithy said, but you still have to go out and beat them. They are a professional team. Um, and to win two games in five days, it, it is tough. I know every team has the opportunity to play a Thursday night game just about throughout the year, I think. But, um, you know, I'll never knock a team or, or change my opinion about a team for how they perform on a Thursday night game after they just played on Monday. So, um, yeah, my thoughts on the Bills don't change after this. Yeah, I like it. And uh, lo and behold, Another week goes, and Teed's talking about the Cowboys. Now, I've got things to do tonight, Teed, so let's, uh, let's make this uh, quality and not quantity, I think. Yeah, um, and I just said I, I won't read too much into Thursday night games, but after this performance, I think the Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I said I, I, I didn't really care how much they won this game by. They just have to win it. And like I touched on with that Bills game, the Cowboys won two games in five days, which is, you know, that's impressive. And, and they, you know, both teams had winning records. You know, I think the Vikings had eight wins at the time and the Giants had seven. So, yeah, I don't think you knock the Cowboys for that. There's been plenty of, um, you know, hate towards the Cowboys for only winning this game by eight and, and maybe letting the Giants, um, you know, in this game, probably more than they deserved the amount of players they were down. But um, no one wanted to mention, you know, that the Bills beat the Lions by three. But as I said, I'm not going to knock a team by, by winning a game on a Thursday after they played on the Monday. Um, you know, I think the positive for the Cowboys is they made adjustments at halftime. You know, they were down at halftime. You'd see Giants probably were the better team. Cowboys playing... Uh, they were playing like they just knew they were better um, and they eventually would win this game. And, and you know, that kind of stopped after halftime. You know, Mike McCarthy made some adjustments and say what you will about Mike McCarthy. I've said um, some bad things before, but, yeah, he made some adjustments in this in this team. And, you know, that's something that the Cowboys haven't done for a long time. Under Jason Garrett, they didn't make adjustments. And, and that is um, a downfall. Um, uh, it really, you know, the Giants, I don't know how I feel. I think, um, you know, they play Washington two times over the next three weeks. I think one of them, two teams, is going to win both of those games and whoever that is will make the playoffs. The loser might fall off. Um, so, you know, really their season may come down to those two games against Washington, but they still have a winning record. Um, you know, I think they're still a good football game. Like I said, they were down plenty of troops in this game and they still made a game out of it in the first half. They, they looked much better than the Cowboys. But, um, you know, the Cowboys, as I said, I'm not going to change my opinion on them. I felt really good after their game against the Vikings um, and I'm just happy they backed it up with a win um, against the Giants here. I like it. And, geez, he's, he's done that in two minutes, Smid. Yeah, unbelievable, I almost really. almost zoned out because I was expecting another seven and a half. It was extraordinary, yeah, I, man, but he's I'm, done beautifully. I'm, I'm caught off guard that I have to talk so quickly. But, uh, yeah, oh, the, sorry, the Cowboys. I'll add another, I'll add another <laughs> 10 seconds. I <laughs> I did like the um, Cowboys-Titans touchdown celebration. That was probably my favorite one of the year. The whack-a-mole, yeah, that was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah loved it. Yeah, the Cowboys played well, and you got to worry about the Giants. You know they're going to be welched, but. They're so thin at so many positions that the injury bug has really hurt them and and it showed on Thanksgiving. So um yeah, look, you gotta hope that they can keep it up because they're easy to to root for, but yeah, I'll worry about them. Yeah, I think if Daniel Jones hits Saquon on that fourth down, um, 
I think this could have been very, very different. But once the Cowboys got that, they just went, all right, let's get into the gear where we know that they can't catch us. And we go from there. But Smithy, you finish the in-depth before we get to the quick fire with the Vikings pretty much wrapping up the NFC North with a win over a very plucky New England Patriots. Yeah, definitely the best New England's Patriots offensive performance we've seen this year. Mac Mac Jones threw for 382 yards and two touchdowns and, and the offense moved really fluidly. They they took the ball up and down the field. And at one stage, it wasn't looking good for the Vikings, but uh, they had a massive kick return touchdown from, I hope I pronounce this right, and if I don't, apologies, uh, Nwangu. Uh, so he had a massive kick return touchdown in the second quarter after the Patriots had just scored a it sort of took the wind out of the Patriots a little bit because they drove the field, they scored the touchdown, everything was good. And then the Vikings, just like that, just got seven points back on the board. Um, Kirk Cousins had a few primetime Kirk Cousins moments, but overall it was a pretty good night. 30 for 37 for 299, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, And he threw 37 times because they couldn't get the run game going at all. Delvin Cook, 22 carries for 42 yards and under two yards per carry. So they just couldn't get any traction in the run game. But luckily for Kirk, his receivers were on. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen both had nine catches uh, for over 200 yards or exactly 200 yards and two touchdowns. So um, the big dogs really got the job done against the New England Patriots secondary that had been really good at limiting wide receiver production so far this year. So uh, Jefferson just showed that he's the best receiver in the NFL, and I don't think it's that close, to be honest. He's just an absolute game changer, big play waiting to happen, and Adam Thielen, old reliable, was the target on third down, and he got the job done. So, yeah, it was a good win for the Vikings, a, a win that they needed to have after the embarrassment against the Cowboys, but... Yeah, as you said, Daz, they've pretty much put a bow on the NFC North now and makes you look like a genius. Yeah, look, I'll take it, um, mainly because I don't want to take the others. So <laughs> that's uh, that's why I'm extremely humble right now because I know that every single comeback you guys have got is not only valid, but it's relevant and would seize this to exist. So I'll say a hearty thank you and we move on. Uh, Teed, you would have been glad the result here considering you think the New England Patriots are a pit stain? <laughs> I'm glad you put it so nicely, but um, I actually, you know, I think my opinion on the Patriots changed a little after this game. I, I thought they had overachieved with a record at 6-4, and four, and I thought they played really well. Um, <laughs> offensively, as you, know, you said, it was one of their better performances of the season. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't know, I'm not looking at the playoffs right now, but they, they're either in... By, by an inch or they're just sitting outside, I think. Um, they have a real shot to make the playoffs, and that's something I wouldn't have said about the Patriots coming into the year. Um, but, you know, close loss to the Vikings where, you know, they were outscored in the fourth quarter, and that's the reason they lost this game. I feel better about the Patriots after this game um, than I did before it, which is odd. Because they think... <laughs> Yeah, odd is a good way of putting it. Uh, keep up that momentum, Teed, because quick fire. Uh, the Dolphins, it's not often I get to say this as a Dolphins <laughs> fan, but I predicted a smacking. It happened. This was just a, a first half of a complete and utter annihilation. 
Yeah, well, the um, final score doesn't do this game any justice. You look and you see 30 to 15 and, um, you know, it doesn't look like a, a hammering, but it really was. The Dolphins, they pounded them in the first half and um, it, it just, you know, I think Scott Hansen on red zone was trying his best to, to get everyone, um, get their interest back into this game when the Texans scored <laughs> a couple of times in a row and it was a 15-point game and, um, you know, he was trying to, to talk up the Texans' chances for coming back, which we all knew wasn't really an option. Tua, Tua was taken out pretty early um, and a good idea, I think. Just get 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 some backups, some experience, and, and give him a, a little bit of a rest. He could have had a career day. Um, you know, he, he really could have piled on the numbers. He already had, well, you think he finished with just under 300 yards. Um he only got the touchdown. I don't. I don't mean to say. Oh, he only got the touchdown because Dolphins fans, um, knowing them, will use that as uh, a bit of hate towards him. But good win for the Dolphins. <laughs> no, it was no hate. He just he, he didn't need to do any more than that. Had Xavier Howard's defensive touchdown. Had uh, Andrew Van Ginkle got us to the goal line that put Jeff Wilson, Smithy's man, uh, over the goal line. Although he did get injured a little bit, so. That was my only takeaway, Smithy, is that I hope Taryn Armstead and Jeff Wilson are okay. And two years ago, on the day that the game was played, Miles Gaskin ran for 99 yards and two touchdowns, and he's now the third stringer. The evolution of a very, very good roster is taking place at my Dolphins. Yeah, it was just unfair, really, that first half. It, it looked like, you know, when that that team lied about having a high school team just to get on ESPN. Um, <laughs> it, it looked like that game because, uh, and the Dolphins were IMG Academy and uh, the Texans were Sycamore as they called themselves. But yeah, it, it was, it was just unfair. It was unfair in that first half. And, and the fact that the Dolphins got to sit their starters for a half with San Francisco coming up, oh, that's just mouthwatering. Isn't it? And that game is not on free to air in Australia. So do better, whoever made that decision. Uh, Jets, Bears, Smithy, uh, Mike White is the QB one in New York now, and it's not close. No, Zach Wilson should not start another game in New York. That, that's as simple as that. It, this is all we needed to see because this is the best version of the pay, uh, the Jets offense that we have seen this year, and it's not close. Mike White looked like Tom Brady. It was unbelievable, really. And with the Jets, they have weapons at wide receiver. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. You know, these are good players. And Elijah Moore, people barely knew he existed to start this year. And all of a sudden, Mike White comes in and Elijah Moore scores a touchdown and is really productive and shows the talent that he has. So, yeah, it's pretty simple for me. Zach Wilson should never take another step for the, the New York Jets ever again. <laughs> I like it. Teed, Commanders, Falcons, did anyone actually watch this game? <laughs> yeah, I, um, I I wouldn't have thought so. If, it, if you weren't watching it on a red zone and you weren't a fan of the Falcons or the Commanders, you probably wouldn't have seen much of this game at all. Um, you know, I think, like I said with the uh, Buccaneers, them blowing a chance to extend their lead in the division. I'm pretty sure the Falcons would have been in front of the division if it wasn't for an end zone interception from Marcus Mariota. So I think they really did let one slip. And, and come the end of the year, this might be one of the games the Falcons look back on and, and just really kick themselves because if they had have taken the opportunity when it was there, um, it, you know, they might be in the playoffs. Um, still a long way to go. But um, it, as I said, it could be one game where they kind of um, kick themselves seeing the end of that game again.
Yeah, I like it. Smithy or Panthers getting the job done over the Broncos. I'll start with a question uh, about the Broncos. It, does a milestone in a game in a season where you suck still have the effect? Russell Wilson threw his 300th passing touchdown, but it seemed like it was taken with a grain of salt by a lot of fans, given the train wreck that is currently in Colorado. Yeah, not one single Broncos fan will give a flying fuck about that. I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now because from everything I've seen on Twitter, it is not good. And um, I got into it on Twitter. Not into it. I just posted a comment on Twitter um, on a video. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a video of a Broncos defensive lineman getting in the face of Russell Wilson. And it looks like he's pretty much abusing him right to his face and my comment was uh, that when that starts happening, you know, it's the beginning of the end. But how genuinely, and I'd like your guys' answers on this because it's a genuine question, how do the Broncos get out of this? Because they are currently in the worst situation in the NFL. Uh, and that comment got over 240 likes. So the the public oh, agrees with me. No, I'm just saying me, 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 me. the oh, public the public no, give is out agreeing. your Twitter handle. Let everyone follow. The public is agreeing. What do you guys think? How do they get out of it? Because I don't see a way out. Uh, join the XFL would be a good way to start, I think. Okay. That's Just... not helpful, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tease? <laughs> I think um, they just have to start fresh with the coach and hope that Russell Wilson um, can rediscover Magically. some form with a new coach, yeah, because I think that's their only chance. They are obviously stuck with Russell Wilson um, for the foreseeable future, so I think that is their only chance. You've got to start fresh um, at the head coaching position as you know, fair or unfair that is to the head coach because Russell Wilson should be taking um, as much blame, but he will not... Um, have any of the consequences or anything like that. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Teed, you've got Cardinals charges. I mean, it, it's good that Smithy's not going to talk about this game because he's uh, he's up shit creek with his tip. But this was a good game, this one. Yeah, it was. And it was another game-winning drive from Justin Herbert. Um, you know, he has plenty of plenty of haters, plenty of doubters. Um, but I, I really do like him a lot. And I know you do too, Daz, uh, Smithy. He'd say he should have been out of the NFL last year, so not too sure where he stands. Yeah. Oh, shut Curry. up. Started throwing <laughs> left-handed and all this nonsense. Uh, but it was looking uh, very pear-shaped for the Chargers in the fourth quarter, and um, they were lucky to get away with the win. I thought uh, as well with Doug Peterson, the, the Staley call um, to go for two at the end of the game was great. If you go to overtime against the Cardinals, who were the better team, I think, at that point of the game, who knows what's ha- what happens there. So you've got to take a chance to win the game, and that's what they did. I like it. Smithy, uh, Chiefs, Rams. I mean, yuck. Yeah. just It just went to script. It just went to script. It's exactly what was going to happen. The Chiefs won big. The Rams struggled. And and they're going all in tank now. Uh, Cooper Cup won't play the rest of the year. Alan Robinson won't play the rest of the year. It came out today that Aaron Donald's injured. They're probably going to put him on ice. They'll probably put Ramsey on ice. They, they have... Out. Yeah. No, they Sorry, have no God. reason to. They have no reason to tank because they don't own their first round pick. But <laughs> there, there's just no hope for them this year. It, it's kind of brutal, but they've got their ring, and that's all that matters. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm with you, uh, Teed. Niners Saints. This was just. I don't even think Niners fans watch this about after halftime. Uh, it was. Um, wasn't uh, a great 
game to watch, I guess, but the 49ers continue their streak of not allowing any points in the fourth quarter, which is really impressive, and they are looking um, very dangerous on defense. Their offense is up and down. You know, they, they played really well last week, and then in this game only scored the 13 points with the one touchdown. So um, they're a bit up and down, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing from San Francisco, especially on the defensive side. I like it as well. That Niners-Dolphins game is going to be unbelievable given the Mike McDaniel welcome home party as well. And Smitty, Colts-Steelers, it's a good thing. This one is quick fire because you rightfully turned it off at about the third Yeah, I, tur- I turned it off. I spat the dummy. Uh, the toys were out of the cot. It was it was terrible to watch. It was really bad to watch. And I ended up tuning in to see the exact reason why people criticized the Jeff Saturday hire because – his clock management on that last drive was absolutely putrid. It, it, it would be beyond belief. Matt Ryan scrambles for a 16-yard run, and it took them, I think, 23 seconds from the time he slid to the time they took the next snap, and that's just unacceptable, really. So, um, yeah, it was quite obvious today that he is the definition of a rookie coach, and, and the Colts stink. They really stink. Yeah, they definitely stink. Let's get into the non-QB MVP before I get and one more prediction from you guys that I haven't asked you about. But, Smithy, the non-QB MVP, and there were some outrageously good performances this week. Yeah, massive week around the NFL. Uh, one vote, Justin Jefferson. He had nine catches for 139 yards, a touchdown, plus an 11-yard throw. So he's really showing that he can do it all. He's just showing off now, my man, Justin Jefferson. But we love it. Miles Sanders in that huge rushing performance was the biggest dog of them all. Non-QB, of course, because Jalen Hurts is ineligible, but 21 carries for 143 yards and two touchdowns along with three catches for 17 yards. Uh, Probably his best game as an NFL pro, so shout out to him. But the most obvious three-vote game of the whole year, I'd say, boys, is Josh Jacobs going for uh, 229 yards on the 33 carries with two touchdowns. Only that, six catches for 74 yards. So he totaled over 300 all-purpose yards by himself. I don't think the Panthers have gone for over 300 on 30% of their games, and he did it by himself. Unbelievable. Yep, absolutely. It is um, unreal. So he and Justin Jefferson... Uh, all alone on seven votes. Travis Kelsey's got the two three-voter games. That makes him on six. Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams on four. Don't ask me why the Raiders have two of the top five and they're still shit. But that probably tells you how well their <laughs> defense secondary are going. But, uh, gentlemen, I want who wins it from here. Who wins the non-QB MVP? Now, of course, we do the votes as a committee, so we're not going to yeah. uh, become biased when these things happen. But from here, I'll read out the three vote. I, I struggle to think a two or a one voter or a zero voter is going to win it from here. But the three voters, Jalen Petrie, TJ Hawkinson, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey, and Joe Mixon are the three. Uh, who mm-hmm. wins from here? Uh, I reckon... I reckon Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers are going to go off in the in the last part of the season. And with Jeff, with um, Elijah Mitchell, sorry, not Jeff Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell out for the rest of the regular season, I can see Christian McCaffrey having some massive games like he did against the Rams and, and carrying this 49ers offense. I like it, Tate. I think I like Justin Jefferson at this point. Um, 
you know, obviously he's had a great season so far. I, I trust him, you know, to have to continue to have a great season. He just is, um, you know, he's one of, if not the best receiver in the NFL, and, and I think he'll prove that um, tenfold in the next six or seven games. He's top good too. <laughs> I'm going to back in Travis Kelsey from here. The man's an absolute star, so I like it. Where we're at. All right, Smithy, you can send us off uh, in your familiar style, and we'll catch everyone very, very shortly for the Week 13 preview. Where does the time go? Absolutely, mate. It's crazy how fast the season is going. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow and give a rate, and don't come at me when Christian McCaffrey has three votes next week. But most importantly, stay safe.